At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Joel Embiid, ninth in the NBA, and rebounds from rolling down the floor and throwing it down, Joel Embiid. Right down Broad Street, a little brush aside of Zeller. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker on the BetQL Audio Network. And you can follow us on Twitter at BetQL Daily. Uh, Ross, I love our visits with Ryan McDonough. We're going to keep him here for a couple segments because uh, there's always so much to discuss when it comes to the association. Ryan McDonough, former NBA executive turned host of the Radio.com NBA podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to that pod. Uh, Ryan, always appreciate your time. We'll let uh, Ross get the Embiid and the Philly question in just a second. But I want to start off with, I guess this is the news of the day. We, we get some details this morning that the NBA and NBPA have agreed to host the All-Star Game March 7th in Atlanta. A- am I wrong for thinking this is completely insane? First of all, good morning, Joe and Ross. It's always great to be on with you guys. And no, Joe, I don't think you're wrong in thinking that at all. I had the same reaction. In fact, watching the games last night, I put on my Twitter at McDNBA, why are fans sitting courtside in Atlanta during a pandemic? You guys saw what happened the other night with uh, courtside Karen as they've dubbed her getting in an argument with LeBron James with her mask uh, pulled all the way down, uh, arguing with LeBron from not that far away courtside. And then last night, um, after the game, you know, Luka Doncic, the Maverick star, uh, goes over and shakes hands with a with, um, few rappers who were at the game. And, you know, those guys dap each other up. I, I, I guess it was Takeoff, Quavo, and 2 Chains, uh, if I'm being accurate. Those, you know, those guys, you know, shaking hands, dapping each other up. Uh, and, and I'm saying, why is this going on? Like, And, guys, I think my perspective is that I have friends with just about every team around the league. Uh, when I talk to those guys, when they travel around with the teams, the players, coaches, and executives, they are not supposed to leave the hotel on the road. That, that's how seriously the league is taking it from a team perspective. Uh, so if players, coaches, executives who travel all over the country um, can't leave the hotel, then what are fans doing sitting courtside? Why are players interacting with fans after the game? And, and to your point, Joe, why, are the, why is the league flying in players from all over the country to meet and play in a centralized location in Atlanta for the All-Star game? Uh, I get there is some philanthropic benefits of it, and I totally applaud that. I just think the league is taking a very unnecessary risk uh, during a, you know, a, a very delicate and sensitive time uh, with the way the virus is still spiraling seemingly out of control around the country. So, Ryan, my initial reaction there then is it must be a big money maker for the NBA. I do feel like 
the NBA All-Star Game gets a decent amount of buzz. I mean, the league is about the stars. It's the one game where they're all on the same court. I know buddies of mine that are really into the NBA All-Star Game. I know buddies that go to the NBA All-Star Game every year for like parties and stuff. It's like the NBA's version of the Super Bowl are there there's clearly has to be some corporate and commercial reasons why they want to do this yeah there are ross and as always you follow the money trail uh the network partners especially turner who televises the game uh is based in atlanta i'm I'm sure they have a strong interest in having the game and televising the game Uh, and then the players and and look i I think and hope that most or all of the money uh that, that they raise by playing this game uh, goes to uh, charity or, or to colleges. They mentioned doing a lot for historically black colleges and universities, which I, I think is great. Uh, so if that is the intent, then you know I, I think um, there could be a good outcome as far as money raised and the visibility of it. As you mentioned, Ross, uh, you guys remember the All-Star Game last year in Chicago was phenomenal when they put in the more competitive format. You had you know, some of the best players in the world playing really hard down the stretch trying to win the game. Uh, the winning team got a lot more money, and, and a portion of that went to charity. Um, so, you know, I, I want to see them capitalize on what they did last year with the game. I thought it was very competitive and phenomenal. I just don't understand in the era of COVID uh, with the protocols that are in place and the contact tracing that's in place, uh, why bringing, you know, representatives from, it won't be from all 30 teams, but from a majority of the teams to Atlanta and then having those guys quickly go back to their own market, uh, be around the team. It just brings up a number of other issues, guys, because under the NBA's traditional protocols, those players who, who leave and then come back would have to quarantine uh, for a number of days, maybe up to a week or more. I guess the league is going to waive those requirements after the All-Star game. So um, I, I just hope the league in trying to do something good doesn't create a really bad situation and a bad outcome if a player or players in the Atlanta All-Star game on March 7th has COVID and then return to their teams and then potentially spread the virus. Ryan, it's fair to say that uh, the season is still so young, small sample size, but if you're to take a quick glance at the standings, one thing that jumps out to me is if, if we go tier one for both conferences, you'd go East, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, West, Lakers, Clippers, Jazz. Am I missing anybody? Am I giving any of those teams too much credit? No, I think you have the right teams, uh, Joe. I, one other team I throw in the mix in the Western Conference, they get off to a slow start. Uh, but they're playing a lot better lately, is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver started the season 6-7. and seven. It looked like the loss of Jeremy Grant, who departed um, to Detroit in free agency, was going to hurt them. Uh, since then, they're 6-1. They're and one. Uh, They've been one of the best teams in the league. They, they slaughtered Utah the other night. Utah had won 11 in a row. Uh, Denver won that game big behind Nikola Jokic's 47 points. But uh, to your point, I think that the, the cream is starting to rise to the top. And, the, and separating from the pack a little bit, especially in the Western Conference. Uh, those four teams, the two from L.A., Utah, and Denver, look head and shoulders above the rest. And then uh, I agree, you, what you mentioned in the Eastern Conference, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, they've started to separate as well. Uh, teams like Boston and Indiana are good. They've had some injury issues. And then uh, a team that's been really surprising, guys, in a negative way is the Miami Heat. I, I don't think anybody, myself included, expected Miami coming off a of finals berth to be 7-14, and 14, uh, basically a quarter of the way into the season. Yeah, I mean, can you explain that, Ryan? Uh, why is that the case? Well, they've had a number of injuries, Ross. Uh, Jimmy Butler, their best player, uh, has missed the majority of their games. Uh, as I mentioned, the team has played 21 games. Uh, Jimmy's only played in nine of those games. They've had other key injuries uh, in, in COVID uh, you know, protocol time missed with Goran Dragic, 
Avery Bradley and others. Um, so they haven't really been fully healthy. Uh, at the same time, it's just not clicking and flowing like it did a year ago. Uh, their offensive and defensive execution was outstanding um, last year in the bubble. I thought they defended at a really high level. Offensively, they were precise with their ball movement, player movement. Uh, that, that hasn't been the case this year. And, and it's a little bit strange. I thought they'd be a lot better than they have been because they had a lot of continuity. They had most of the core of their team returning. And then I, I projected young guys, um, you know, like Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, and Bam Adebayo to make big leaps, you know, this year. And that really hasn't happened for the most part. Uh, so Miami's been underwhelming. They've been disappointing. Uh, however, guys, the silver lining for, for Heat fans who are listening is this year's different. You only have to be in the top 10 uh, in your conference to get into the play-in scenario. Uh, so despite the fact that Miami has a lackluster 7-14 and 14 record, uh, there's still only a few games out of the 10th spot. I think they're only two games back at 10th at this point. So I fully expect them. I, I don't know if they'll make the top six in the Eastern Conference, but I fully expect them to at least be in that 7-10 to 10 range and give themselves a chance to play their way into the final playoff field. Oh, Ryan, uh, even though Christian Wood is the favorite right now for most improved player as expected at points bet, he's plus 150. I think this award is uh, pretty intriguing. You've got Jeremy Grant right there at plus 175. Now, when you move down the list, I, I see names that are just putting up tremendous box scores every single night, like Colin Sexton. He's 20 to 1. Uh, Shea Gilders. Alexander, he's 50 to 1. You could find Julius Randle at 50, 50 to 1. De'Aaron Fox, he's on a big roll right now. He's 100 to 1. Are, are there any names down the board that uh, can challenge Wood for most improved player? Yeah, boy. I, I mean, I, as, as you guys know, I mentioned a few of those guys on my list prior to the year, including Christian Wood and, and Shea Gilders Alexander, who was my pick. Uh, I still like that pick. I, I like the SGA pick, especially with the odds you, you mentioned, Joe, being longer. Um, you know, I, I put on Twitter last night, our, Mark Dagnall, the head coach of OKC, has done a phenomenal job. Um, guys, you know, when you look at who they're playing, especially some of their second units, they're playing two European rookies, uh, Alexei Pokazewski and Theo Maladon. Um, you know, a lot of coaches wouldn't play those guys ever, even in garbage time, uh, especially Pokashevsky, who's since been assigned to the G League. And, and I bring it up because OKC sitting at 9-11, and 11, as you guys know, a lot of the futures markets in the preseason had them being the worst team in the league. Uh, most of the, the futures I looked at had them between 20 and 21 wins in a 72 game season, guys. They've already won nine games, so I think I think they're going to shatter the over. At least they should, and, and that might be one of the first bets to to be locked in. You know, as, as the year goes on, they, they might hit 20 wins close to midseason the way they're playing. Uh, and I bring it up because, as you guys know, the surprise teams get more interest, they get more accolades, and uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is the best player on that OKC team. So if he can lead them, it's still going to be tough given their roster and youth. But if SGA can lead them to the playoffs or even to that play-in scenario, I like that bet of 50-1. to 1. He's going to be their leading scorer, and he's the guy who has his ball in his, uh, the ball in his hands when the game's on the line. Uh, so I, I really like SGA at 50-1, to 1, especially if OKC continues to outperform. What about rookie of the year, Ryan? And in particular, uh, what about Halliburton? He's plus 350 right now. Yeah, I really like Tyrese Halliburton. Ross, for, for those who listen to our, our draft show, the radio.com uh, draft show we did, he was one of my favorite players in the draft, had him ranked third in the draft. So really, this doesn't surprise me what, what he's doing in Sacramento. Uh, I thought he'd be one of the best players. Uh, my preseason pick was LaMelo Ball. I, I still think Ball is the front runner for the award, and LaMelo has recently moved into the starting lineup in Charlotte uh, with the injury to Terry Rozier, and he's putting up phenomenal numbers uh, on another team that's surprisingly competitive. The Charlotte Hornets are currently eighth in the Eastern Conference. 
Um, but but Halliburton's right there. And, and again, I, I think so much of this will come down to whose team is there at the end, whose team is, uh, you know, ideally in the playoffs or at least in the play-in scenario in the top 10 of their conference, uh, because it's really close, guys. I mean, you look at the Western Conference in particular, teams 5 through 14, Memphis is currently in 5th, all the way down to New Orleans at 14th. They're only separated by three games. And the reason I bring up the standings with individual awards is because I think the standings are close. I think the awards are close. And that's why I like some of the longer odds guys. Uh, and if, you, if you're going to put some money down today with the way he's played, uh, I really like Halliburton at plus 350. This is BetQL Daily. Our guest, Ryan McDonough, he hosts the Radio.com NBA podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that pod. Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker with you. Uh, you had mentioned that yesterday you were tweeting about the coach of the year. Is there one uh, particular coach that stands out to you right now? I mean, we've gone over the record, how you have to be near the top. But, but do you think there's a leader in the clubhouse? I don't. I still think it's relatively even at this point, Joe. My preseason pick was Steve Nash. Um, you know, I, I think he might be handicapped by, by the fact that the expectations in Brooklyn are so high, especially now that they have James Harden. Uh, people expect them to you know, run away with the, uh, I don't say run away with the Eastern Conference, but, but be the best team in the Eastern Conference in the regular season and the playoffs. And they, they still have a chance to, to do that. They're only uh, two and a half games back of, of Philly who's in first. Um, but, but if I had to pick one at this point, guys, I, I'd probably go with Quinn Snyder in, in Utah. Um, you know, th- they're always good. I, I think this may be the year that the Utah Jazz have gone from, from good to great. Um, you know, I look at their point differential. They're plus, uh, plus 7.6. They're the number one net rating team in the league. So they, they're the difference between offensive and defensive efficiency. So they have all the advanced numbers. Uh, they're the only team in the league. Last I checked, it was in the top six in offensive and defensive efficiency. And, um, you know, just the way they're, they're playing, the way they're shooting the ball, they're blowing out some teams. I believe they've won 12 of their last 13 games at this point. Uh, so it really looks like it's the year that it's all starting to come together for Utah. I think Mike Connolly is going to be an all-star for the first team. At least he deserves to be for the Jazz. And uh, I think that makes Quinn Snyder the coach of the year frontrunner at this point. All right, Ryan, I-, I waited long enough now. My Sixers, <laughs> okay, are now down to 14-1 and from 16-1. to to win the title. Do you still like them at that number? I do. I, I do like them at 14 to one um, because as you know, Ross, being, being a diehard Sixers fan, when Joel Embiid plays, uh, they've only lost one game all year. Uh, and then when their entire starting lineup is, is healthy, they, they have, haven't lost a game. They're undefeated. Uh, now I, I get that it's a relatively small sample size. Uh, one of the minor concerns I have with Philly is, you know, that they haven't looked very good. In fact, they just won their first game the other night in Indy without Joel Embiid. But, but look, any team in the league, when you take away their best player, is going to struggle to some extent. So I'm not as concerned about that. Uh, looking at you know winning a championship, you look at the high end, the full uh, complement of players, the full package when they're all healthy and playing together. And I love the way Philly has looked with Embiid in the lineup. And um, you know I picked them to hit the over in the preseason, and, and you know, I, I feel – um, confident that they have a great chance to at least you know get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, I don't see anybody who's better than them in the East. I think Brooklyn has more offensive firepower, uh, but I think Philly, if Embiid keeps playing this way in particular, is more balanced and has a lot more talent on the defensive end of the floor. Ryan, uh, Milwaukee defensive efficiency numbers are about middle of the pack. Uh, we remember where they were a year ago. Where do you stand on the Bucks? Yeah, that's my concern with them, Joe. They, they, they added offense this year. Uh, in fact, on, on our Radio.com NBA show on Monday, we had on Joe Prunty, who was former interim head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. He took over for Jason Kidd when Jason was let go. 
And we had Prunty on because he's coaching USA basketball team uh, later this month in Puerto Rico. Uh, but anyway, so the reason I bring that up is because we, we were looking at the Bucs, talking about the Bucs. And uh, as you mentioned, Joe, they've been one of the top defensive teams, if not the best defensive team in the league over the last two seasons combined in the regular season. Uh, this year, they're below average. Um, they Now, they're setting offensive records in terms of offensive efficiency. And that, that was a you know conscious effort by, by the front office. Um, you know, led by John Horst this year, they brought in offensive firepower and more shooting with guys like Brent Forbes, DJ Augustin, uh, Bobby Portis in the front court. Uh, so they've improved offensively and they're putting up tremendous offensive numbers. Right. They blow out Indiana the other night, but defensively, they're not as good. Um, so I, I have some concerns. All right, right, stay right there. We're going to continue this conversation next about tonight's terrific card. Download the Radio.com app today and listen to BetQL Daily. We cover the spread, totals, teasers, and much more. This is the BetQL Audio Network. The big game is Sunday. You'll need a flat screen TV, plenty of food and snacks, and of course, BetQL. If you're an experienced sports better or someone who's just starting out, BetQL is here to help us all become better betters. Whether you're looking at spreads, money lines, over-unders, or player props, BetQL analyzes everything and rates each potential bet on a scale of one to five stars. One star? Maybe skip that game. Five stars? That's kind of like a big green light telling you to go. Look, the Tampa and KC players won't be taking the field without warming up first. You shouldn't place a bet without checking BetQL first. Make it a part of your pregame routine. Get active. Access to data and insights the sportsbooks don't want you to see. We're talking about real, proven analytics here, not some hot takes from a random guy online. The big game is the perfect time to start placing smarter, more profitable bets. See if the data matches your betting instincts. Bet smarter and beat the books with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. George feeling good. Let's it fly. Seven threes for Paul George. Point line. I don't care who's guarding him. Crosses it over. Another three ball by PG. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker on the BetQL Audio Network. And we continue with our guest, Ryan McDonough, former NBA executive. And you can catch the Radio.com NBA podcast. Follow Ryan on Twitter at McDNBA. You can follow this show on Twitter as well, at BetQL Daily. Um, Ryan, we've got a hit on tonight's slate. It's going to be spectacular. The big TNT game. Uh, the, the MVP conversation ha- has started with LeBron, Jokic, some people haven't been in there, but uh, two of these guys are going to be facing off tonight. What are you expecting? 
Yeah, it's going to be a great game. That's that's the late game tonight, 10 o'clock on TNT. Nuggets-Lakers, a rematch of the Western Conference Finals a year ago. And uh, I really like the way Denver is playing, guys. As I mentioned, they got off to a slow start. They're 6-1 and one since then. Uh, what Nikola Jokic is doing is just phenomenal. Uh, what he did on Sunday with 47 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists against a, a very good Utah team, including two terrific defenders and Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors was impressive. I think it was one of the better individual performances I've seen all year. Um, so I, I think Lakers probably win the game. That game is in L.A., um, but but looking at the line on, on points bet, uh, Lakers are uh, a five-point favorite. So uh, I, I take the Lakers to win, but the Nuggets to cover plus five. Got it. All right. Well, you know where I'm going. I'm going Trailblazers <laughs> against the Sixers. Sixers are laying eight and a half. Seems like a lot of points, Ryan. Um, and just uh, while you give your bet, I'm also curious about your thoughts on the Blazers right now. Yeah, the, the Blazers, are they've been up and down, Ross. Uh, they've had a, an interesting season. Uh, C.J. McCollum got off to a phenomenal start this year. That was one of the more underrated stories in the league, how well McCollum was playing. He was scoring incredibly efficiently uh, for Portland. He traded in a lot of the two-point jump shots for threes this year, and that spiked his efficiency. Uh, then he was injured. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, the talented center for the Trailblazers, was injured again. Um, so it's really the Damian Lillard show. Uh, he, you know, he pulled the rabbit out of the hat the other night in Chicago. They were down five against the Bulls, and I'm sure the Bulls fans don't need to um, you know, have me remind them what happened in the last couple seconds when the Bulls blew a five-point lead in the last ten seconds with uh, two Lillard threes <laughs> uh, with a steal mixed in. Uh, but, but really, guys, Lillard has to do so much at this point um, for Portland to win or even be competitive that, um, you know, I, I like Philly in that game uh, from a betting perspective. That, that's a tough one for me because I, I think the Sixers are going to win. Uh, you guys know how good Philly is at home. That's been one of the interesting trends this year, guys. It really hasn't changed. Is without fans, the Sixers have still been great at home and not as good on the road, even playing in, in empty arenas or relatively empty arenas. So, uh, Ross, in that game tonight, I, I like Philly to win. Um, I, I think that number is just about right at eight and a half. Uh, if if I had to uh, bet it, I, I'd probably lean slightly toward Philly to win by more than that, um, just because if you look at the schedule, Portland's been on a long road trip. Uh, those road trips are more difficult this year with COVID and all the different testing and protocols. Uh, the travel's obviously even harder than it usually is. Uh, so I, I think this is the... Uh, what the fourth or fifth stop now for Portland on this road trip. Uh, so I, I like Philly tonight, uh, you know, minus eight and a half, but, but I think the, the final is going to come in right around that number. Uh, Ryan, we mentioned the regression with the Bucks defense this season. Now, if you haven't looked this year at some of the defensive numbers and you go to the very top and you see the Houston Rockets, like you kind of do a double take how things have changed since they moved on from James Harden. Uh, Rockets and Grizzlies tonight. What do you think? Yeah, that's actually the game I like best, I think, from a betting perspective, Joe. I like Memphis in that game. You mentioned that Houston's been playing a lot better, um, and they've been, I think, the best defensive team in the league since they traded James Harden, which um, you know shows you, obviously, that they have the personnel for it to some extent, uh, but also shows you the negative impact Harden had on that team and just you know what the what effort can do right right what the buy-in can do uh, when you have a guy who's not bought in and James Harden clearly wasn't through the first couple weeks of the season how that negatively impacts the team and then the positive impact it's had on the team since then uh, they're really defending at a high level uh, the reason I like Memphis is because the Grizzlies have been playing very well they, they lost their last game 
I believe they won the previous six games to that. And, and, and I look at this, guys, more from a you know former front office guy's perspective. Uh, this is a road, road, back-to-back for Houston. Um, they, they got drilled in OKC last night. That was one of the more surprising results of the young season. So the good news, if you're a Rockets fan with the blowout, is their best players didn't play a ton of minutes. Uh, the bad news is, you know, after, after getting blown out in OKC against the depleted Thunder team, uh, they now have to travel, and that game tonight is in Memphis. Uh, so with the way the Grizzlies have been playing, guys, uh, I like Memphis tonight um, at home, minus two and a half as my bet of the day. Ooh, I like it. Bet of the day. Okay. Still some other games that we can get to, though. Um, I know you were saying earlier you like them as a team. The Jazz are laying seven and a half against uh, courtside Karen and the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll see who comes down on the court tonight, uh, Ross, after the game. We, we had Karen and then, uh, you know, Quavo or whoever, or Two Chains, and, you know, it was uh, – uh, it, it's re- really, I mean, I, I have, I, I joke about it, but I, but I, I have serious concerns if I was a visiting team about, you know, the fans being so close to the court in Atlanta. Uh, but anyways, get, getting back to the game, uh, you mentioned that, that's one of the early games tonight. It's at 7.30 Eastern. Uh, this is a back-to-back for Atlanta. The Hawks played last night. They were beaten at home uh, by Luka Doncic and, and the Mavericks. Um, you know, th- th- that's one that's tough for me. I mean, that- that's, a- that's a tough line. I think Utah's going to win the game. As I mentioned, I-, I love the Jazz team. and love the way they've been playing. Um, it is a back-to-back for Atlanta, but those home-home back-to-backs, guys, aren't as difficult. You know, you play the game, you go home, you sleep in your own bed. Uh, there's no travel. So um, I-, I think Utah's going to win the game. But from a betting perspective, uh, I-, I like Atlanta to cover plus seven and a half. And, Ryan, we get uh, five games on this Thursday. One more we have not hit. How about the Mavericks and the Warriors? Dallas finally win. They end the losing uh, streak last night. They're third in four days going up against Golden State. Mavs are favored by two and a half. Yeah, off the, the other end of that back-to-back, Joe, Dallas had to travel from Atlanta back home. Um, you know, that, that's, that's uh, not a, a, an easy trip, but you do gain an hour as far as the, the time zone. Um, you know, they had a relatively hard-fought win in Atlanta last night. Um, but I'm still going to go with Dallas, though, minus two and a half in this one. I know it's a back-to-back. I know they had to travel, and the Mavericks have not been playing as well lately, although they, they, they were up against Phoenix the other night. They were up two in the final seconds until Devin Booker hit a three to win that game. And then, obviously, they beat, beat the Hawks last night. Uh, so Dallas has looked a little bit better lately. And, guys, I'm just not as high on the Warriors, especially uh, away from home, away from Oracle Arena. In San Francisco, um, I, I, st- I still think they have issues. I, you know, Curry's been terrific. Uh, Wiggins has played better this year, but Kelly Oubre has really struggled in Golden State. I, I have a lot of concerns about their depth. Uh, so I, I like Dallas in that one tonight, even though it's a, back- it's a back-to-back. Uh, they're at home. They have Luka. We'll, we'll see if Porzingis plays. Uh, but I like Dallas, minus 2.5. So um, one thing we didn't get to ask you, Ryan, that I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, relates to – like maybe Bradley Beal getting traded. Any other guys that you think get traded and that we should get ahead of now because it could affect the future's title odds? Yeah, a few guys come to mind, Ross. The first one is Oladipo. And if he's going to be retraded, my guess is if Houston keeps playing this well and being relatively competitive, the Rockets, as I mentioned, lost last night, but they're 10 and 10. Uh, they're currently in 10th place, so right in the play-in mix in the Western Conference. And we talked about how good their defense has been since the trade. Uh, so my, my guess is Houston doesn't move Oladipo, but 
if the Rockets fall off over the next month or so, if they don't perform as well, uh, Oladipo is on an expiring contract. He is going to be an unrestricted free agent. I actually broke that story in that news that before he was traded, the Indiana Pacers offered him a contract extension. I believe it was a three-year deal uh, in the $25 million a year range, which is the max the Pacers could do uh, per the rules. And, and Oladipo turned that down. Uh, so Victor has high hopes. He has high expectations in free agency. I think there will be a pretty strong market for him as long as he stays healthy and continues to play well. So I think the calculation, if you're in the Rockets front office, is if the team falls off and, and you don't want to pay Oladipo, uh, keep in mind the Rockets can pay him up to a five-year maximum salary contract because they have his full bird rights. Uh, so if they have doubts about you know whether they want to pay Oladipo that money or whether they think he's, he's worth it, uh, or if just, you know, they get the feeling he's going to leave either way in free agency, uh, then they may look to cash him in. So I, I would start there and keep an eye on him. Uh, looking around the rest of the league, uh, Ross, I, I take a look at the Celtics in the Eastern Conference. They have a big trade exception uh, for Gordon Hayward, that sign-and-trade deal they did when Hayward went to Charlotte. Uh, that, that's, you know, 25 to $30 million in that range there. So they can absorb a very big contract into that exception. So uh, as far as a player to keep an eye on, it's Oladipo. As far as the team looking to add, uh, the Celtics, keep in mind, they've been to three of the last four Eastern Conference Finals. They're only 11-9 and nine this year. They've had a number of injuries and underperformed to some extent. So keep an eye on Boston potentially making a deal over the next month or so, uh, which would obviously uh, make their, their futures odds improve and uh, have them you know, try to vault up the Eastern Conference and see if they can at least get back to the Conference Finals. With Ryan McDonough, at McDNBA on Twitter, host of the Radio.com NBA podcast. Ryan, is there a team that uh, confounds you more than the rest right now? Boy, interesting question. Um, let, me, let me think about it for a minute. Uh, the team I watched last night, they played very well. The New Orleans Pelicans, I think, has underperformed in the Western Conference. Uh, they looked terrific last night. They, they shot the lights out. They beat the Phoenix Suns. And when you look at the young talent led by Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, uh, you, you think, you know, they, they really have something there. And I, I think in time they will. Uh, however, you know, the, the defensive fit hasn't been great. They've been in the bottom 10 defensively in the league, which surprises me a little bit given the personnel on the roster. And then uh, last night's game, notwithstanding, their guards, Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe, those two guys in particular have really struggled to shoot the basketball. Uh, so I'm a little surprised that New Orleans is 8-12. and 12. Uh, If they make shots like they did last night, then they look – very good. They look like a potential playoff team in the Western Conference. Uh, other nights, they get drilled by bad teams. Uh, so they would stand out to me in the, in the West. And then, as I mentioned, guys, in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Miami Heat is just really confounding what's going on in Miami at, at 7 and 14. Um, if you're looking at futures, though, I, I'd be interested to see you know, how the numbers are shifting and adjusting on Miami. Uh, what I would say is, with that team and that franchise, I never bet against them. You guys keep in mind, a couple years ago, I think there were, you know, nine and 31 or something like that, 10 and 31, something ridiculous in, in the first half of the season. They were awful. A lot of people thought they'd go in the tank and then they completely flipped it. Uh, I think they did the opposite of that. In the second half of the season, they won over 75% of their games and, and, you know, missed the playoffs in the last night of the regular season. So I would not bet against the Miami Heat with Eric Spolster on the sideline with their young talent. Uh, again, I'm, I'm perplexed by their issues, uh, but, but, I, but I fully expect them to play better as the year goes on. Ryan, uh, how much of playing defense in the NBA is talent? How much of it's ability? How much of it's just one-two? I'm curious from your perspective when you would kind of break down. I know length and athleticism. How much of it is just the kid wants to or the coaches can get them to play good team defense? 
Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, Ross, especially in the regular season over the course of 82 games on a normal calendar this year at 72. You have to buy in. You have to want to do it. Uh, I think, you know, Miami's defense last year sticking with the heat was phenomenal. Uh, the effort there, the rotations. Uh, but look, it's hard. It's hard to do it night in and night out. I think when you get to the playoffs, the, the, the coaching elements of it and the schematic strategy elements of it as far as adjusting, especially if you're playing a team with one or multiple superstars is more important. Uh, but I think a lot of it in the regular season is just playing hard night in and night out. I gave OKC a lot of credit earlier in this show. Uh, Houston, as we mentioned, has played harder. Uh, on the defensive end since Harden went out. So uh, I think a lot of it is effort. And when I look at a team with high-end talent like the Brooklyn Nets, I think a lot of their season will be determined by how hard their team, especially their three stars, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie, compete on the defensive end. They're never going to be a great defensive team because of the personnel guys, but uh, if they can just be decent, if they can be league average defensively, they have the offensive talent and firepower to win the Eastern Conference and potentially win the NBA title. Ryan, in our last 30 seconds, can you tell us about the next episode of the Radio.com NBA podcast? Yes, it's a good one. I'm really excited about it, guys. We're recording here in about an hour and a half, and we have a special guest, uh, Denver Nuggets president Tim Connolly, the president of basketball operations. He drafted Nikola Jokic. He drafted Jamal Murray. He drafted Michael Porter Jr. and built the team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. So we'll have that recorded within a couple hours and up uh, online later this afternoon. Excellent. Ryan McDonough, former NBA executive. He hosts the Radio.com NBA podcast. So everybody listening on the bet, 1430 in Denver, look out for that pod dropping very, very soon. Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker, BetQL Daily coming up next. Eli's going to jump on and talk about tonight's college basketball card. You're locked into the BetQL Audio Network.